0: This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Um, I'm magic'd out. I got no (laughs) no
1: magic magic left as you can probably hear in my voice. (laughs) It was a big weekend. I'm still recovering and it was magic, but now there's no more.
0: I slept more. Last night, Monday night, then the three days of Magic Round combined.
1: Yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, it's real gut check time sometimes on the Sunday, but uh, mm. the true meaning of Magic is powering through and
0: That's just getting right. it done
1: all three days. I had a wonderful time. Again, it's Me the best too. weekend of the year. It's footy. <laughs> it really is footy Christmas if Christmas went for three days.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, you know we had a nice little spot this year, a little walk along the river to the stadium every day. Pretty good. Saw a lot of people, a lot of listeners, a lot of other people. Had a good time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, big, big shout out to all the listeners we did see up there. Um, apologies if we didn't get to see, but it is a bit of a hectic weekend. Sometimes you're always buzzing around, seeing people, dapping people up, making new friends, re, re, reconnecting with old friends. You know, It turns out the real magic was the friends we made along the way.
0: That's correct, which we have to relearn every year as we get further away from magic rounds.
1: It's a lesson I never tire of learning, I must that's say. That's right.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I got. Um, I,
1: I get the feeling this was probably the biggest of the magic rounds. I know it had the biggest.
0: it definitely had the most people, crowd, in it, right? Yeah, yeah, across
1: the across the three days, there was probably some creative accounting in there
0: because. Mm. Oh yeah, know, <laughs> when, when when we're watching South Melbourne and they're like, "There's forty-seven thousand people here," and I'm like, "I was no, like, well, that's just, well, that's just that's just
1: not true. That's just a lie." <laughs> but you know. Magic round can sometimes be about lying too, you know. That's right. What is what is what is what is the truth in in this postmodern world? I don't know. You know what I do know? That I was at the game I was at the South Melbourne game on Saturday night with 47,000 of my closest That's true. friends. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. But um, yeah, I don't know it, it just felt it felt like the stadium was more full it felt like it was Yeah,
0: def- it definitely was.
1: I felt like everyone was into it a little bit more. Um there was all the great stuff going on around the ground. As normal, um, some of the initiatives that the NRL brought in, like the uh, they had a station out uh, out the front of the stadium where you could bring an old footy and trade it in for a new one. I thought that was a great idea. That's that's something really good for the kids. And there was a lot of kids around at Magic Round, and I, I loved the idea on the Sunday as well, where if the ball goes into the crowd, whoever catches it gets to keep it. Because it yes. just every time a ball got near the crowd, you could hit, you could feel everyone just getting super and-
0: rowdy. It was great. I was much more excited till I actually thought about how many footies go into the crowd, and the answer is really not that. Many. It's not that many, hey. Eh? Yeah, like I yeah. didn't
1: think about that either. I thought it'd be heaps. I, I was warming up my hands because basically, unless Sunday they score, morning.
0: unless they score in front of the post, the kick doesn't usually make it into the grandstands. Anyway, yeah, exactly. So
1: exactly, we were where we were sitting was sort of uh, kind of in a corner, maybe four or five. Yeah, someone back. would
0: have needed to have booted a sideline conversion. <laughs> someone
1: needed to boot a sideline conversion so hard that it nearly lands in the next suburb. That's or, right. Or someone sprays a field goal so horrifically that they tear they they tear their ACL and it just goes off their boot at right
0: angles, you know. That was really our only hope. But, but still a great right.
1: still a great initiative.
0: A footy weekend was still a great weekend, nonetheless. So we apologise to you guys for being a day late. Uh, I had to get home. Flights were delayed for hours and hours because of the the wind in Sydney. Apparently, I think my flight was delayed by about four, four or five hours in the end. And uh, Nick, you're of course still up there. Have you moved yep. there? What's happening?
1: Well, I uh yeah, I'm broadcasting from an undisclosed location um because I'm staying up here to turn magic round into a lifestyle. How, how long will it I... take? How long will it take for that to kill me? We're gonna find out.
0: Yes. Uh <laughs> scatter my ashes at the regatta.
1: Please do. A ceremony mm. of forty-seven thousand of my closest friends.
0: Now I was weekend. worried on Friday because I knew I'd be spending a lot of time with you this weekend and your moods are often dictated by the Raiders of Canberra, and, I don't know, and that doesn't—that doesn't sound like that doesn't, doesn't sound do, like me, doesn't it? No, I'm, so, normally, I'm Normally, very like emotionally mature about this stuff.
1: Of course,
0: um, so I and I think the rest of our friend group were hoping the Raiders would get the weekend off to a flyer and get it done, and they did. Although it ended up being a lot closer than it really had any right to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. In the first sort of 20 minutes, um, Canberra, it's a bit like that Dolphins game. The first 20 minutes, Canberra did just everything I ever want them to do. You know, they just moving the ball really well, attacking uh through the middle with real power and uh real, what's the word, real certainty as well, you know? Like Zach Wolford was picking all the right runners. Corey Horsburgh, was he was he's in the form of his life at the minute, and that started from from set one where he had a run where I reckon he went about 30 meters and maybe Half those meters were after he'd hit the defensive line with Zach Wolfer just sort of shoving him along for the ride. And it was all really great stuff. I never, it, it's funny. I never really felt like Canterbury were in danger of losing this one. I did feel pretty good about it all the way through mm. because the only way that Canterbury were really able to score were off kicks because Seb Chris, as we've said a few times, isn't the best uh with his with his positional play in defense, which is just because he hasn't played a heap of fullback at the top level. So if you look at a lot of the tries, it's either from Seb Chris being out of position on a grubber, which is just something that's going to happen. And then the other try they scored was um, Elliot Whitehead, just sort of reaching for an intercept, being a little bit indecisive on that first Jacob Preston try. So I didn't feel like Canterbury had many weapons outside those two things to sort of hurt Canberra. But what was disappointing is that they just sort of let Canterbury hang around, hang around, hang around. I was, I was really hoping that, Canberra were going to really go on with this one and put a bit of a score on and end up really fixing their for and against, which is really, really bad, which is why even though they've won four in a row and um, they've on competition points, they're equal third, but they're sitting in ninth because their for and against is, is so poor. So I thought this was going to be an opportunity to rectify some of that didn't really happen, but four in a row is four in a row, man. And you've got it. You you just got to really enjoy it.
0: Uh, Yeah. We, uh, we enjoyed telling everybody on Saturday night, that uh, it's not since March that either of our teams have lost. So that's,
1: I don't that's, remember what losing feels like. Not in April, that's for sure. That's right. Under, the winner's un, month, un, they call the, it. <laughs> the month of the winners. But yeah, I mentioned Horsborough before. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Again, he's getting to the point now. So a few weeks ago, um, after that double, he scored against the Sharks. I kind of said, I think he's in with a chance of playing Origin if there's an injury or two to Queensland. I'm starting to think that he might just make the team. Because he's doing this each and every week. Like, he's playing huge minutes, putting up um, huge attacking numbers with ball in hand. And his passing has just totally unlocked Canberra's attack. Like, if you look at that uh, second Jordan Rapana try, and you see the way Horsburgh is able to to fit into the shape of the attack, it's just really, really impressive. And I think I've mentioned it before, but there's a lot of uh, middles who, with their passing up, they just go to the line and then always go straight out the back. You know, it's a bit... It just comes across as a little bit pre-programmed, which is fine. But then there's other guys who have a greater sophistication to their passing game, and Corey Horsburgh is one of those. You know, he he can he can hit fellas short. He can play fella, He can play out the back. He can go first receiver or even second receiver, like he's done a couple of times. For the Raiders, I just I could not be more impressed with what he's doing at the minute, and I really want to highlight Jack White's performance in this as well. Um, it probably wasn't as spectacular as he's won against the Rabbitohs, but I actually thought it was a lot more complete. I don't I never felt like he was out of the game at all. Which is a criticism I've had of him for a, for a good while now, but he was always pushing up the middle, always looking to get involved. had some really nice touches with his kicking game. I think him and Fogarty are really getting the balance right in the in, in attack at the moment, which is really good to see. So, very impressed with him again. I do have one slight beef though. I'm not going to mm-hmm. come on here and whinge about refs. That's not what we do. But that Xavier Savage try off the Jack White and header, like there are, there are there are multiple players on the Raiders that don't know the rules of this sport, right? But we know, we know that they know about head deflections. It's like, that's Canberra's move. That's their only Mm. set play. And they bring it out a couple of times a season. I can't believe they took that away from us. Call the police. Headed assists, man. It's all we, it's like, it's all we got. It's all we got and it's all Uh, we need, but you have got to give it to us when it happens. And
0: changing the gate, of course.
1: You got to change the gate.
0: You have to. Um, Before we move on. If I was was
1: running around and I had a similar gate, if I wasn't Mm. changing my gate. It'd be
0: embarrassing. I,
1: I would ask to be arrested. Put the yeah. cuffs on me and take me away.
0: Um, before we move on, you also met Corey
1: Horsburgh's dad in the. Oh, ground. this was amazing. So I didn't. So I, I watched maybe. This the isn't first... the
0: cousin joke? By the way, he legitimately met Corey Horsburgh's father. Yeah,
1: I've met Corey Horsburgh's dad, who is my uncle and also my best friend. So I watched maybe the first ten minutes of this game down in our seat, and I didn't really like it. I wanted to be on your assigned feet, yeah,
0: but... seat. Yeah, I wanted to be Party able round to round should not be up. about assigned seats.
1: No, it shouldn't. But I want to be able to stand up and bounce around and see people and all that sort of thing. So I ended up watching this one um up on the concourse, just just mm. back from the from the rail. And then after the game, I was hanging out with some Raiders types, dissecting the win and all that sort of thing. And someone comes up and slaps me on the back and goes, Nice shirt, mate. I was wearing one of those Raiders Hawaiian shirts, which I only ever wear at Magic Round. And I turned around and it's Corey Horsbury's father, who is infamous for wearing that exact same shirt to every single Raiders game. Um, he's built like a tree stump, man. He's barrel chested. I would not mess with him. Yeah, but we had it, but we had a really good yarn. I said how proud he must be of his boy. He said, "Oh yeah, he's playing great." I go, "He's going to play for Queensland." Corey Horsbury's dad thinks he is going to play for Queensland. Well, that's so he's
0: not biased either. So. You
1: you you make of that what you will.
0: Mm. Was he wearing the shirt also?
1: He wasn't, which I couldn't oh. believe. Maybe, maybe he takes it off at full time or something like that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, he was a, he's a, he's a really good fella. Uh, Canterbury, I feel like Canterbury are going to be re- – they really, really need someone that can lock up the middle of the field because they are just getting stomped up the guts all the time. Like on that first set um, in the lead-up to the Jordan Rapana try, I think Canberra made 70 or 80 metres.
0: Yeah, they just bulldozed them.
1: They did, and that continued unabated for the entire match. And that's just not hmm. sustainable for, for for a team that – it wants to string a few wins together, you know. Um, I do think that Canterbury did quite well to back up their efforts from the Dragons game because a five-day turnaround can be really, really tough to, 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 to back up from. Um, and there was probably some good signs with, um, with a little bit of their attack. Although I do think they were a little bit too reliant on the bombs in the end. That's not something that's going to be sustainable, even for someone with as good a boot as Matt Burton. But um, Franklin Pelé is a big inclusion for them. I think he gives them a little bit more push off the bench, but they really, really need to find a lock forward that can really come up and lead the line speed. I think Luke Thompson will be really good for that, but I don't know. I think he's still a fair way away. So... I don't know, maybe New Brown could come off the bench and sort of give them a little bit more of that leg speed in the middle of the field. I'm not sure, but I think that's that's the that's the thing that they really need to fix going forward. That's what stood out to me in this
0: game. All right. Uh, Brisbane nearly pitching a shutout in a dominant performance. Hatchick, Selwyn Cobo. Uh, no one was worried about Brisbane after their loss last week. We knew they'd get those troops back and be fine, and they were more than fine. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw some comprehensive wins from a few teams this weekend, but this was right up there with the best of them.
1: See, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was. I felt like first forty minutes Brisbane were, were really, really handy and just did everything they needed to do, and just really got back to to what works for them, which was good to see after that. To that disappointing performance against Souths, but then second half, I felt like they just kind of shut up shop. They just sort of like, well, all right, we'll just. Yeah, get I think through. that's
0: part of it, though. Like when you when you when it's so comfortable, you can just take take your foot off the brake.
1: Oh yeah, but I I just oh, I, like I contrast this one with the Broncos main the game last year, right? Where they just kept the foot on the pedal for the entire match and ended up winning 48-0 and it was like, oh my god, Brisbane are like Brisbane are unbelievable, Brisbane might never lose again, you know? I think this year's te- Brisbane team is much better than last year's team. But yeah, this was this was to me a surprisingly um low-key performance for the Broncos, you know? Like there wasn't the riotous atmosphere Of last year you know it was kind of just like they first half terrific second half they were just like let's just get through this we got melbourne next week you know let's just let's just get this out of the way let's just get out of this out of the way which isn't a problem or anything like that it's just i you know i just would have liked to have seen them turn it on and put and and put 50 on you know because they can play such a such great attacking footy as they showed at various points in that first
0: half this this is quite a common thing it's it's this is quite a common thing with good teams discourse wise when they do get up by big scores early in games and there's two schools of thoughts there's the one that you have where you sort of want them to put the foot on the throat and keep it there for 80 minutes like teams like Souths and the, and the storm do when they're on top but then there's the other school of thought where it's you've got to be a bit more pragmatic and i think that just getting through and surviving and making sure that everyone's fit and everyone's right when you've got bigger things on the horizon uh and and that's the school of thought that i sort of subscribe to myself as well, despite being a South fan because for me, it's what it's round 10. Yeah. You want to see them take the piece and score a bunch of sick tries and stuff, but at the same time, you know, we know how good Brisbane are at this point. And the only thing that's going to stop them from going quite deep in this competition is losing players or get, or getting guys suspended. And, you know, when you're just sort of cruising to the finish line, that's not going to happen. And with such a massive game on the horizon next week, yeah, I, I'm okay with how they played in the second half in that regard. It kind of reminds me—I don't know if you remember—a couple of years ago um, when Seattle were forty 0 at halftime against Manly in a final. They ended up winning forty to twenty-four, and there was a lot of discourse <laughs> about that. There was a lot of criticism afterwards about how they sort of did exactly what you're exactly what you're saying. Was that twenty-three? Yeah, yeah. And um, and I was, I, and right then, and i I've, so I've kind of always felt the same way when there's been a game like that since. It's just I don't really care. Like once you're on top you can afford to do that. And that's a luxury that teams that aren't good enough to just race out to gigantic leads don't have. And so if Brisbane can be a team like that, I think that's probably better for them than to be a team that can just score as many points as possible in round 10 against a pretty average opponent.
1: I understand what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm And I'm not criticizing Brisbane for taking that approach. You're right. It is a long season and you never want to pick too early. I'm just more saying that from like a selfish, neutral perspective. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, like I really enjoyed that first half with them scoring the grade 40. I just, I just wanted, wanted to see more, more of it. Like, why wouldn't you? But um thought an important thing for them was Selwyn Cobbo having a really good mm. game. I think he's had a bit of a mixed season so far. Um, we talked last week about how he had that drop off the Adam Reynolds pass that seemed yeah. like a really big play in the context of that match. It was. <laughs> <laughs> so it was good to see him once again just sort of do a lot of the Selwyn Cobbo stuff, you know, really nice finishes, a really athletic intercept where he gets it and just puts on the jets and no one's a hope of catching him. So I think he's probably hitting form at the at the right time, which is really good news for the Broncos and really good news for Queensland as well, because I don't think he, with the way he's been playing, I don't think he would have been a walk-up start, but that might yeah. change now. I felt like he really uh, got to his rhythm a little bit in this.
0: Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of, again, I, I mean, I thought, he was doing the best with what he could, but there was a lot of criticism about Tom Tavoyevich after this game. People saying, oh, he's, he, he's never going to get back to full strength. He's, he, he, someone, some people even saying he should go back to, he should go and play five, eight. But yeah, to me, like Manley's forwards were just so outplayed in this game that it was going to yeah, be they difficult for got, got, got to do wooped. anything. I think he kind of did the best with what he could in the situation. I don't know. Like, especially without Jake there, like their middles were just getting, Demolished. And yep. like I think I think some I think per about 120 meters. I think Aaron Woods might have been second in meters for for the for the Seagulls in this one, in terms of their forwards. So like I don't think you can criticize their back line at all in this one. I think this game was comprehensively won by Brisbane getting on top early, physically dominating them, and then yeah, guys like Cobo really stamping their authority in that first half.
1: I think you're right. That that sort of middle is is something that we picked out at the start of the year. It's something that concerned us a little bit about Manly. And um, while Jake Trebouich is, is an important part of that team, I don't sort of look to him to 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 lead with ball in hand. You know, he's much better as a defensive yes, presence than exactly. as a passer or anything like that. So, I think to me that would be my big concern for Manly because this is two weeks in a row where they have just been absolutely smacked around the place by the other teams forward Pack The Titans did it last week. The Broncos did it this week. And if I was a Manly fan, I would be pretty concerned with how, with how things are looking. If you look at their last three weeks, they just beat the Tigers a game that if it was played again tomorrow, you know, I think a lot of people would be taking the Tigers to do it. And the Tigers got the better of them in the middle in that one as well. Then the disappointing loss to the Titans where the Titans were pretty much in complete control. And then another loss to Brisbane where Brisbane were in complete control. So things are looking quite shaky for Manly in, in, in my opinion. And, They really need to fix things up very, very quickly. And But I I don't know if they have the personnel to do it. You know, like if Schuster's not going to be there and they don't sort of have the dynamic attacking dimensions that they've had in the past, not really sure what the way is to go to to right this ship. You know, there's only so much individual players can do. There's only so much Tom Trabojic can do. There's only so much Helmoli Alokalato can do. There's only so much Cherry Evans can do. There just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of um, continuity between the squad. And just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of sort of attacking thrust up the middle of the field, which has been, when Manly have been good in the last couple of years, that's been such a big part of it, you know,
0: mm. with,
1: with Tom it's really, really leading that. So if he's not going to be able to run for 250 metres a game and they're going to rely a lot more heavily on their forwards, I don't know. That's, that's not something I'd feel confident about if I was a silver tail.
0: Not at all. Um, but yeah, Brisbane, last week, just a blip. They're really good. I'm pumped for Thursday night. We'll get to that later in the show, but it should be a great game. Um, Saturday. Um, I wouldn't call it a super Saturday, Nick. Um, it was definitely a
1: Saturday. That's for of sure. Of all the Saturdays. There were, there were super elements. Definitely there were. But I, I, um, would, I wouldn't say across the whole canvas of the of the hmm. day that there was a no. <laughs> there was super football played.
0: Um, but the Panthers arm wrestled their way to an 18-6 win over the Warriors. A game not without controversy, which we'll get to in the news section. A lot of very upset uh, Warriors adjacent uh, media figures on the <laughs> internet. But um, yeah, look, if you like, honestly, I, I know we wanted Penrith to rack up a score here, but if you, this is this is like a textbook last couple of years Penrith win,
1: really. Um, ter- I, I, I like don't... just
0: just getting on top, doing enough, and just. Being fine, I'm. I'm not.
1: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I agree with you on that one, man. I I felt like Penrith were actually a fair way off the uh, the method that they've shown in the last couple of years, and like we'll get into the referee stuff later. But this was the Warriors' third game in eleven days. Um, That's not by, great. Yeah, by the by the last twenty minutes, they didn't have anyone left on the bench. They had Wade Egan out playing second row. I think they had um, Josh Curran in the centers and. I think I don't know. I think I was on the wing forum at one stage. Like things were getting pretty, pretty ragged out there.
0: Did a Did a security guard come on and tell you to go back to your assigned seat? If he did, I wouldn't have listened. Good.
1: My my, assi- my like my assigned seat is in the hearts of minds of all forty seven thousand <laughs> people that there on Saturday <laughs> night, and I'm not leaving there.
0: Good. I but yeah, that.
1: I felt I felt like this game was more. It, it sounds dumb. I actually came away from this game more impressed with the Warriors' ability to hang in there. And to not and to not sort of get blown off the park um, or anything like that. This this was pretty much in doubt until Spencer Lenu charged over for that really late try, and I actually thought he was really impressive. Penrith really really missed his um, explosive attacking capabilities because that's something they just don't have a whole lot of this year. But yeah, but the Warriors were able to just hang around, hang around, hang around, and if they hadn't had so many injuries, I think there's a chance that this could this result could have been a little bit closer or even a little bit a little bit different. I think it was important for Penrith to have like just a steadying win after the three weeks that they've had, you know, the back-to-back losses and the one-point win over Newcastle. And they got back to what they do well a little bit, but I still think they're a fair way off their best, or they're a fair way off the sort of football that we've, that we've come to expect from them, you know?
0: Yeah. It's, it's, for, for More more for me, it was just the ease and we, like, they completely out, they completely out-muscled them meters wise, post-contact meters wise. And yeah, I get what you're saying at the end. The Warriors were completely on fumes, but you know, that's, that's kind of half the MO with Penrith. It's that they they make, uh, they make tire other teams out. That's why they're so good at sort of getting those late tries in, in, in games is because that they've just spent an hour just grinding yeah. you to death. And yeah, look, they can still go to another gear as well, maybe they can't. I don't know. But there is obviously another gear above what Penrith have shown us so far this year. But for them, I think with how the last couple of weeks have gone, it was just about... Finding a way to get, yeah, get a win cons- against just consolidating a, against a, a a game opposition, <laughs> a gallant opposition, would you say? Why was there only thirty eight thousand people at this game? According to no, the rules. Uh,
1: oh, there was nine thousand of us down. Wait, oh, yeah, stop announcing
0: fucking crowd figures <laughs> between every game, you weirdos! Like Jesus Christ, honestly. All right,
1: yeah, it's it's funny. So the Warriors, those three games in eleven days, they've lost them all, and mm. I think their see. I don't think their season's teetering, but you can't you can't exist on brave losses forever. You cannot. So I think these next couple of weeks are really, really important for them, and and on the other side of the coin, they are for Penrith too because they've got a couple of really tough ones coming up, and I think they needed just something to, they needed something that could sort of point them in the right direction a little bit. You know, I. It's funny you say they have another gear to go to. I think physicality wise, effort wise, defense wise, they're pr- they're going pretty well. They're kind of going at at, at peak capacity.
0: Um, yeah, I'm starting to think maybe they don't.
1: Yeah. Oh well, no, it's more about their attack.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. Or about like, their attack.
1: Like they just don't have that many explosive qualities anymore. So their attack is a lot more deliberate. It means there's going to be less chances, which means their execution has to be, has to be really, really sharp. You know, they can't afford to waste any. So maybe that's something that changes in the next couple of weeks. I'm not really sure. You know, there's still a couple of guys to come back and all that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I think we're seeing Penrith evolve into a slightly different type of team than they have been in the past.
0: Yeah. Um I know that we've talked a lot about who gets Magic Round, but I'll tell you who doesn't get Magic Round. Who? Cronulla Sharks. They don't right, get they Magic really Round. Don't. Third, they really don't. Third, third loss in a row for them up there. I can't remember what happened in the first one, but are they 0-4 at Magic Round? or are They, they might have won the first one. I can't remember. Not they important. Did.
1: They, they won. They beat the top in the in, the, in the inaugural Magic Round. Oh, the magic Thursday game. Picture. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then so they just haven't won since then. Cop and yeah. L's ever yeah. since.
0: Uh, and this one, I mean, yeah, they... Got a couple of tries just before half time to try and make it interesting, but Jesus Christ, dolphins were rampant and our round boy.
1: Oh my God. Could we told you, you guys, we, we told you guys up. last week about Valence Tavare. And now everybody knows now everybody knows why we were so excited. This to me, I know this sounds crazy. I feel like Valence Tavare's debut was the most magic moment of the entire weekend. Like, everyone was really pumped for it. I feel like our, the entire stadium bay that we were sitting in, in my assigned seat, mind you, feel like the entire bay was 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 on him, was on him to score a try. Everyone was cheering for him. Everyone was just loving it. Every carry, people were just losing their minds, you know, and he had a bit of a tough start. He had a bit of a tough start. Ronaldo Mulatalo got on his outside with a really nice sidestep, and I was thinking, oh, man, this could be a really tough one for the big unit. Like, I don't know if he's going to – like, it could – an early thing like that in your first grade debut, I imagine it would really knock your confidence around. It could be a tough thing to come back from, but he found a way. And you know how he found a way back by being larger than anybody mm. else. but like he was just—he simply
0: outlarged the them.
1: He really did. The try he scored—it was one of the, like the second he got the ball in his hands. I was like, he's scoring. They're not stopping mm. the big boy. I've seen, I've, I've seen, I've seen some big boys grilling. I've never seen a big boy grill this hard. This was, it was sick. It was sick. And when he got the second one, like, pe- like people in the stands were crying, but the high-fiving, you know, men were renaming mm. their sons Valance Tavare. Do you know what it I was heard? sick. What did you hear?
0: I heard that the government wouldn't allow him to debut against Souths because they thought that if he and Latrell Mitchell collided, that it would cause an earthquake so shocking that there wouldn't have been a magic round at all.
1: Well, that's why the compromise, the compromise, because we needed a big boy matchup. We couldn't have him matching up against Jared Kroger or something like that. We needed a, a centre with at least a little bit of similar beef to try and make this one happen. And to, to, to specific Talakai's eternal credit, he answered the call. I Talakai mm. had a good game. But you know who won the game? And you know who won our hearts?
0: Tamari? Tamari. <laughs> Two more yeah.
1: Valence, three more Valence Tavari things. One, yeah. the harka that he did after the game with all his mates and all that. Fantastic. No notes. All harka all the time. I absolutely love that stuff. Two, I met his mum just after that. What? In the honestly, in the same part of the stadium where I met Corey Horse was dad. Wow. I saw her there. She was like, she's an older Māori woman and she had a shirt with his face on it. And I said, Oh, you must are you part of Al's family? And she goes, Yeah, I'm his mum. And I was like, Oh, you must be so proud. She was like, yeah. And I go, I go, I've never met him and I'm proud of him. I can't imagine how you're feeling, you know? So that was a really nice moment as well. And then this is info that came out, I think, in the aftermath of the match. Do you know what tavare means in Māori? The round. The
0: house. Really? I was close. Fuck yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> the so
1: I know we've already got the big wahash, but I think we've got the big house too. The big house. How good.
0: Yeah. But, and a bit of... Uh, Bit of athleticism on that second try diving over in the corner as well. So love to He's see. He's got it.
1: good skills for a big man.
0: Yeah, they were really they played really well, the Dolphins. They, they, their link up play in the middle. That first try to Qatar was very slick. Um Tabio can continues to score a try just about every week. Um, you know, we said this game was won within half an hour. But um what 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 you, you call the sharks glass cannons and every week we kind of go back and forth on whether they are. This week's definitely a glass week.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, we When we talked about it last week, I, the start was what actually really worried me. I was like, because Corral have made a habit of really starting well this year. They've been putting on a lot of points early, and I thought they were going to come out and really hit the Dolphins in the face and the Finns weren't really going to know what to do with themselves. And then maybe a late Finns comeback can get them over the line. But but this was the complete opposite. The Dolphins sort of come out there with a with a really clear plan. I think they knew exactly what they wanted to do and exactly – how they wanted to do it. Um, to me, this was Isaiah Katoa's best game in first grade. I, the the sophistication in his play, to me, is quite remarkable for, for such a young man, the way he's sort of able to really control things and really get his team around the park. And his combination with whoever he's been in the halves with, if that's Sean O'Sullivan, even if it's Anthony Milford, or if it's Cody Nicorima, who was great in this game and has been really good these last couple of weeks, playing his best footy in a really, really long time. But whoever's whoever's there, Katoa just seems to find a way to to link up with them, you know. And that I think I think I said on the show last week, like you can't ever write the Dolphins off in Queensland. You can't ever you can't ever uh, count them out, you know. That if there's a way to win, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna come close to finding it, you know.
0: Who is going to be the first brave takesman to make the comparison between the Bulldogs keeping Brent Sherwin, and AKA Jerome Luai? And letting Jonathan Thurston, aka Isaiah Katoa is leave. It could be me.
1: I was going to say this. This <laughs> feels like this feels like this I'm feels like it, it has you written all over it. <laughs> I can't. I can't attack Penrith with my takes because they own Canberra. Mm. But after Souths beat Penrith the other week, maybe this is the time.
0: I'll have to check with their owner Isaiah Tass, but I think we're allowed to. I think I can get away with writing that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sharks. Yeah. What are they doing? I don't know. I don't know, man. I just we I just, were worried. I, we were worried that they'd have games like this where they just get killed in the middle because they just have so many guys not playing, and that we didn't think their middles were that good to begin the year with. But yeah, didn't think anything like this would happen, where they just be cut to pieces all over the field.
1: Well, yeah, well, I, I didn't think weirdly this time. I didn't think the forwards. Yeah, were it was a problem. almost everywhere. Like, it was everything. Well, there was um there was an instance in the in the first half where. Oh, who was it? Who plays, who plays left center for him? It's not, it's not, it's not the house. It's the other guy. It's Aitken, who was really good again. But Aitken sort of got a little bit, a little bit of early ball and just accelerated straight forward like he always does. And Jesse Ramian, who is a giant, he's a big jack dude. He's really tough. He's really strong, really rugged player. And Aitken just blew past him. But Ramian just straight up one-on-one missed him, you know, and. It was just little instances like that. It just felt like the Dolphins kind of beat them to the punch physically all over the field, you know. And the Sh- like, you know, the Sharks still put on some points and all that sort of thing. I actually thought Sif Talakai had one of his one of his mm. better games off the season. But um yeah, man, they're they're a strange one. They're still hard they to are. work out, you know. And I think the Sharks fans before this game were kind of thinking, oh, I'd love to see us sort of put a bit of a score on and and keep the Dolphins sort of muzzled a little bit and kind of really get in our groove. But, you know, now it kind of feels like they're starting again. A little bit. So really impressive from the fans. Probably, I I know I'm saying this a lot, but probably one of their most impressive performances mm. in their short history, you know? Mm. Never, ever write them off. Never write them off.
0: Mm. And, yep, finishing off Saturday night, we had uh, Melbourne hosting the Rabbitohs in Melbourne and South finally (laughs) doing it. Finally getting a win in Melbourne. I I can't believe
1: it. You want me to just get out of the paint on this one? Mm. I just got to let it
0: cook. So, look. From the moment that Latrell Mitchell, the game's best and most intuitive player, put in that short kick for Cody Walker to score, an almost horizontal kick, they called it, I knew the boys would be on one. And then from the moment, the best young edge back row in the competition, Jacob Host, burst through for the second try, I thought, geez. You know, we could be on one here. And then, despite the best efforts of that corrupt official Adam G, giving Melbourne six again after six again, those brave boys in red and green stood firm, set a six after set a six on their own goal line, repelled and repelled until the luckiest try I think I've ever seen, uh, when when a kick uh, was fell into the lap of Rema Smith to gift Melbourne an undeserved six points before half time. But what they didn't factor in was that the most underrated winger in the competition, in his two hundredth game. Would not allow this to happen, would not allow another potential victory against Melbourne to slip through his hands like so few passes do. And he said no and scored two of the best individual tries you will ever see uh, before Isaiah Tass, the owner of the Penrith Panthers, who's now, I believe, on the board of the Melbourne Storm after this one, <laughs> sealed the deal. And South, in a rare moment of charity, allowed the son of club legend Sean Garlic to get a little try at the end just to, just to, just to. Just to pay tribute to the garlic family. Uh, how was that? Did I break down what happened in that game pretty? Yeah, pretty
1: that accurately. Pretty, yeah, I, I think so. I think hey, so. Good. Great. No, well, no, So those, um, those first South strides, the the Cody Walker try and the Jacob Post try—they were right in front of us, and mm. the, the 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 little kick for Walker that I happened thought he was offside so quickly. That <laughs> happened so quickly. I wasn't sure what happened initially, mm. which is just—it's a measure of like. Kind of the speed and the precision that Souths are playing with right now. Um, this, to me, is far more impressive than the than the oh, Brisbane yeah. last year. You know, Brisbane without Payne Haas, you know, it's it's hard to take too much stock from that. But you know, Melbourne were really good against the Warriors, and they were coming off the buy. And you know, they've they've got a lot of their troops back now, and the 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 Rabbitohs just handled them, just totally handled them. Like not not this this game was. Not in doubt from the second that Walker scored that try, you know, they yeah. just completely did just about whatever, whatever they wanted to do whenever they wanted to do it, you know? And yeah, it yeah. looked, it looked, it looked very ominous. It looked very I was, ominous. I was
0: obviously joking a little bit, but like South. Only a little seemed, bit now. Seemed like they were hanging on for dear life late in that first half when Melbourne, like I don't know, there was about a 10 minute period where the the ball was just inside that they couldn't get the ball back for, for love nor money. And yeah, any other any other time in human history, the Melbourne Storm would have scored a try in that period, but for whatever reason, South are just playing with this fire and this and this just um I don't even know what the word is this unwavering spirit right now that they feel like they can beat anyone. And I guess going in going into a three week stretch where I said I'd be happy if we won one of them to win all three, and for two of those three to be absolutely you know one sided affairs, I mean you. This I, I can't remember ever feeling this good about them at this point in the season ever. Well, even in the this, year they won the cup.
1: Yeah, at this point in the season, definitely. Like in fourteen, they really um after their two traps years, at the end. yeah, well, yeah, after two years where they kind of peaked a bit early, they really timed their run really mm. well, and then the last few years, a lot of the time they've had really big finishes to the season. But this time around, they do feel a lot more complete, a lot earlier in the year, you know. And it's kind of getting to the point now where they've just kind of got to keep everyone fit. Not peak too early, and then just really crack the whip again after Origin, which is kind of looking like it's going to happen. Um, Melbourne, I'm I'm not sure about Melbourne. I'm really not. Like they obviously have quite they obviously have quite a high ceiling just because of some of the talent that they've they've got on the team. But I don't know. Like they've had a few games this year where. I, I, I just feel like they haven't turned up as well prepared as they could be, which is something you very, very rarely say about a Melbourne storm site. You know, like you look at, you go all the way back to the Titans loss, or you go to the Manly loss a couple of weeks ago, or you go to this one as well, where they kind of just got beat to the punch all day. And it's like, I don't know. That's not the Melbourne storm team that I've grown accustomed to low these many years. So I'm not sure. I, I think it's pretty clear that the Broncos and the Rabbitohs have probably been the standout teams through, through 10 rounds. And then there's a really big pack of chasing yeah. teams. I think if you look at the latter, I think uh third is on the same amount of competition points as ninth, right? And Melbourne are in that, are in that pack, but I wouldn't say I have them in the front of that pack. You know, I think they're much more in the middle. I think their season can still can still vary wildly in, in, in two different directions. And and I'm not sure which way it's gonna go. You know, I we picked out the bench as, as something that could be a problem for the storm in this one, and I think it really yeah. was. Um, the Rabbitohs were just able to keep that intensity through the middle of the Dimitri field. is
0: nailing his rotations, by the yeah, way. Yeah, he,
1: he's <laughs> really, really good at it. I think he's one of the best at it in the competition. But even if Bellamy, even if Bellamy nailed his rotations, it's just harder when you know the guys coming off the bench are Aaron Penney and Grant Anderson and Bronson Garlic and and fellas like that. Honest Toilers, to be sure. But Souths got Burgess coming off the bench. They got Jay Arrow coming off the bench, like uh, and aggressively
0: bald Tom Burgess, who looks oh, like man. a he looks, he looks like skip- a muscular Voldemort.
1: Oh, mate, he looks like an extra in a Guy Ritchie movie. Like, and not, not, not late period Guy Ritchie. I'm talking like Lock Stocks and Two Smoker Barrels. I'm talking Snatch. I'm talking Rock and Roller. I'm talking the glory days.
0: Hmm. You know? That's right. Cause a lot of people thought something was going to happen to the hair in this game. And then it didn't. It sure didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, cause do, how do Melbourne get kicked out of Amy Park as well for a few weeks for the World Cup? I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't looked. at Well, you know what? Like I'll have
1: to, to, I'll have to contact the owners and operators of Canberra of Amy Park, the Canberra Raiders. Ah, okay. and then I will get back to you with an
0: answer. I believe it. Oh yeah, they are playing a couple of games at uh, Marvel Stadium. So there you go. It's still Melbourne, I guess. But hmm. yeah, but yeah, that's the only thing I'm worried about for CS Is that stretch towards the end of the year where they don't play in Sydney for like eight weeks or seven weeks or something. But, you know, hopefully by that point, they've banked up enough points. But then again, before that, they've got the origin period where with every passing week, the better you play, the more chance you have of your players getting picked for state of origin. I still think, despite the fact that Cody Walker is playing brilliantly, that they're not going to pick him. No, and I don't, don't think they that, should. I don't I think, think it, they would be Hines and Walker, that, I think, but, um, or well, they'll run it back with Luai, I think. I don't know.
1: But, I, I would, I would have Walker in the conversation. Definitely. I would too, but I don't I mean, think he will. He's had a better season. He's had a better season than Luai. I think his combination with Cleary, we only saw it in two games back in 2020. Um, but the, fir- the the first game they both started together, where they played in Sydney, Cleary got man of the match, but Walker wasn't very hard behind. And I actually think they complement each other's skill set really, really well. And you add in the combination with Cody Walker, oh, with Cody Walker, you add in the combination with Damien Cook, you add in the combination with Latrell Mitchell. Like imagine Walker and Mitchell together on the left hand side, Trell at center, Walker at five eight.
0: That's John- Johnson on the wing.
1: Okay, mate, but like that's that's some really dangerous. That's like yeah. weapons grade stuff. You know, they like could. That's that 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 has a half life of ten million years. Yeah. That's, could, that's some they could. some. They could have stuff.
0: five to seven players out of uh, in, in Origin, so which yeah. kind of sucks. But you know, that'll be a time for guys like Tom Burgess, Cody Walker, if he's not picked, and a couple of other guys to really stamp their authority and sort of step yeah. up. Although their their cup team, I think, was quite good on the weekend, and they've got some guys. I think like Dean Hawkins and Pete the Greek who can step in for a couple of weeks. What are you doing? What he doing? What he doing? doing and Pete the Greek, mm. two fine men. Mm. But yeah, uh, and then we move on to Sunday, the West Tigers. I got two words for you. Uh, is it sure. Jareem Buller? It is Jareem Buller. Buller. A try-saving tackle at the end of the game to save the day for the West Tigers in, I don't know, a, a scrappy affair. A, a um, not the not the most high-level game of rugby league I've ever seen, but um, there were some great moments though.
1: Close footy is better than good footy that's far apart.
0: That's you true. You know what
1: I'm saying? And these were two teams that, at a very similar level, uh, I would say. But we talked a few times about how getting that first win over Penrith is really important just because it losing can become a habit and so can winning. And this, to me, really showed that in pretty stark terms. You know, the, the Dragons have a lot more attacking capabilities than the Tigers. I don't think anyone would argue just on a pure talent level with Tyrell Sloan and Jaden Sullivan and Talatel and Ben Hunt and all those dudes, there's a lot more points in them than the Tigers. But the Tigers, they've sort of found their fire. They've found, forgive the pun, the eye of the Tiger, you know? And to me that they they just played this with with greater desperation and greater attention to detail. And they looked like a team that did win the week before. And they looked like a team that, did have a little bit more faith in what they were doing, you know. The Dragons should have won this game, you know. Like that last, that last sort of attacking passage where Tyrell Sloan blows the overlap. How they not that's something I don't know. But like that's like the Ben, the Ben Hunt getting that bad pass from Dummy Half, just kicking it through and getting it up again. That was incredible. Like I've never seen that before. Not on not off first receiver, not on that part of the field at least. And if the Dragons were nailing things, if the Dragons had that attention to detail. They would have scored that try. They would have got that right. But attention to detail is something they've been lacking for a good number of weeks now. You know, I think is this another game where they scored the same amount of tries as the opposition? It is five in lost? a row. Five in a row. Like, like that's crazy. That's a team that it clearly has talent and clearly can do stuff, but they're just not. They're not getting it right when it counts, and I feel like every week there's there's some little bright spark for them. There's something that you see that makes you think, oh, wow, maybe Saints have got a little bit of something in, in this game. It was Jaden Sullivan. You know, yeah. there's a, a lot of talk about Ben Hunt moving to hooker, which is something I still really don't like. He's their best player. He should play in his best position. But Sullivan was excellent, you know, and gave them a little bit of attacking life and all that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, we're looking at a, a Dragons team. That's won that's won two matches all season, you know, and, the dru- I think the drums are going to start beating louder and louder for Anthony Griffin with every subsequent loss. I think, I've said it before, I think this is a team that looks like they need a change. I think they look like they need a fresh approach. And with some of the players they've got, I think it'll do them a world of
0: good. But the tricky, tricky spot for them though, right? Because a lot of the guys they might want to get in are currently assistants at teams that are doing well and have a long way to go in this season. So maybe, do you think that there is some sort of chance that they could just be waiting a little bit longer just to try and sound out guys that can take over and really look with an eye to 2024 onwards, because you can't really get anyone in now. I don't think that is going to be the guy you want to be your long-term coach.
1: No, but that doesn't mean that they can't make a change. It doesn't mean that they can't have a caretaker come in and steer them through the rest of the season. And I think if you do that, if you make that change and Saints get a little bit better over the last, however many rounds we've got left. We have 17 rounds left. That doesn't sound right. That's a lot of rounds. Yes, we It's a lot of rounds. But if you do that, that makes you more attractive. And if you do that and Saints get better, right, and they win a few more games and, you know, young guys start sort of getting it together a little bit more, that makes you a more attractive proposition for a Jason Riles or a Ben Hornby or a John hmm. Morris or a Dean Young or something like that.
0: What if, you know? what if, give it Mary to the end of the season? <laughs> Run it back. <laughs> And then they win four games to end the year. And at least they give him another contract. One more time.
1: <laughs> give, it, give him a go. He's earned it. He's earned it. He knows the club. Yeah, he does. It's, That's really
0: important. Trump's everything else. You have to know the club.
1: You, you have to. That's why Luke Brooks is going to get a contract for life at the Tigers. It's
0: because he knows the club.
1: He knows the club. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Wes, um, I thought the things Wests have done well over the last couple of weeks, they, they really did. Again, their forwards have been quite good for about yeah. a month now, you know, like David Clemmer was excellent. Again, I thought Stefano Kamano was really strong as well. Isaiah Papaliti was getting closer to the kind of footy that we kind of expected when he, when he did join the club. And, you know, they're still not scoring heaps no, of but They're, wins, they're but, tightening
0: shit up massively. Though. Yeah, they like, are. And, and that's making a really big which, difference. Like Luke Brooks isn't overplaying his hand. Their forwards aren't committing as many stupid errors. Like they're not, they're not, just going for Hail Mary plays that very rarely pay off. But again, the completion rate and tackle percentage were very good in this game again. And um, yeah, I think sometimes playing simpler footy, which is not something you'd ever really associate with Tim Sheens and the teams that we love from the past, but that's what's served them well in these last three weeks. I mean, a good performance of a man that probably should have been, it been a win. And then two games since then where they've been solid and, and come away with some tight victories. So yeah,
1: that's, that's, that's well observed. There was so much talk in the preseason about how they were going to play all this sparkling attacking footy, like a lot of Tim Sheen's teams always have. But I think you're right. I think by stripping it back, by dialing it down, by keeping it simple, they've actually found a style that suits them a lot better. Um, mm. So credit to credit to the Tigers coaching staff for making that change you know because when things go bad you got to change it up and it was That's going right. so bad but let's talk a little bit more about Jereen Buller because i i think this this again this doesn't this doesn't this this is no way to prove this this sounds really like i mm. test old footy man stuff but some guys just got it some got guys it. just have it like you see the way they move you see the things they do with the ball even the way they 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 catch and pass or whatever and and, and some guys just sort of have those those special qualities that no one can really explain what they are, but we all know them when we see them. And he's kind of got that, like yeah. the little tip on that he did for the David Noffeluma try, where I, he never really had hold of the ball, but he just got it where it had to go. You know the way he moves across the field, the the effort that he shows on those defensive plays. I think somebody put up a really good screenshot of when Ravalawa had that shot at the line right at the end, and there's five Tigers coming across to to get him with Jereen Buller leading the way. You know, it's just. He just seems to be someone who has a knack for for big plays when it counts, you know. So t- t- three really good games in a row for him now. I think it's really good for the Tigers to sort of have a young homegrown rookie that the that the whole fan base is really excited about. And uh, yeah, two thousand five, oh, the West are doing it some, all again.
0: Got some good news. He's he he is aware and acknowledges the nickname the Dream. By the way, because nice. Uh, uh, our preseason guest host for the Tigers, Simon, saw him at the airport and yelled out, Oi, Dream, and he and he, and he acknowledged him.
1: So. Oh, that's awesome. Dream Looked the back. Dream. That's a great nickname. Who came up with that?
0: I think it was kind of a collective one just because his name is almost Dream. The People's Nickname.
1: One. The People's Nickname. The, for People's, the People's,
0: nickname. People's Player.
1: People's Player. Dream the Dream. That's great stuff. Uh, I'm really happy for all the West fans out there. Yeah. They're really... They're, they're really, really enjoying themselves at the minute, and it's very well deserved after such a after such a tough start to the year.
0: I'm glad they got a couple of wins out of their system before this weekend. Um, <laughs> have you described you. We, we talked a bit about how you describe the Tigers' style. Would you describe the Roosters' style as right now?
1: Oh, I feel like you have just asked a question that you want to answer yourself.
0: No, i, I, I I'm I'm being neutral and magnanimous as I always am. And I would like to know your thoughts on this attacking Juggernaut there, that was kept scoreless pretty much by the Cowboys.
1: The the Roosters, <laughs> are they are two steps forward, one step back. Every time I feel like they're getting closer to the team that I think we all know they can be and feared they could be, something like this happens. You know, I felt like they were building against the Drags and I felt like they built again against the Warriors. And this was a good game for them to... To throw the shackles off and 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 become something closer to the best version of this squad and it and and it just didn't happen. It's again that they just sort of tripped up over themselves and made things so hard for themselves and just looked nothing like nothing like the team they seemed like they could have been, you know. And I mean, as someone who was really high on the Roosters in the preseason, I, I tipped them to win the comp. I tipped them to win the comp in pretty dominant fashion. I You know, I'm I'm probably walking back from that now, man. Like we've seen a lot of footy from this team now, and it's just I don't know, it just seems like it's not there. It just seems like they keep going in circles. They sort of build a little bit, and then something like this happens, and then they all kind of all the rain obviously didn't help.
0: Yeah, but both teams were
1: both both teams were in the rain. That's
0: what I was gonna say, but they were still there was no excuse for how sloppy they were. There's no excuse for the the lack of care they had with ball in hand, and there's no excuse for why their attack is just so laborious right now. Um You've done the thing without Sam Walker for two weeks. I think maybe it's time to bring him back because um, Luke Curry has never been a dominant playmaker and he hasn't shown that he is one. Nice ball at the end for Crichton, but like, yeah, he's not a dominant playmaker who you want to be touching the ball at first receiver to every set, nor should he be. Some guys are much better off ball. He's one of those guys. That's always been his role. And I don't know why at age 32, 33, Jen Robertson thinks that it's time to make to make Luke Curry into a bona fide seven because he isn't. Yeah,
1: I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think he is much better as that complimentary player. I haven't, I'll be honest with you, I haven't seen Sam Walker play State Cup. Um the reports he's not old back, enough. Well, the reports, but the reports back are like, you know, he's setting up a try, he's scoring a try here and there. But I, I I I think you're right. I think they do need to bring him back. But again, for a team that we had such high aspirations for, chopping and changing your spine in the middle of the season like this, that's what, that's what bad teams do. You know, that's not what the roosters generally do. So I don't know. I don't know. If it
0: does a bunch of things that we know that only bad teams do, does that mean that they are a bad team? Well, I'll leave that to the impartial
1: judgment. I
0: I couldn't possibly draw that conclusion. Uh, um, Yeah. Atrocious. Um, beginning it, it is the like I will never ever write the roosters off ever in a million years but and again right now they are sitting in the top eight and they're one one win off the top four so well they're actually in the top four and four and against because this ladder is this ladder is so weird dude like it's, it's so strange it's so congested but yeah we can't we can't worry about we can't worry about the ladder we can only talk about what we are expecting to see from them in the future and Although they were coming into this game on a two-game winning streak, we weren't overly impressed with either of those performances. And I think knowing what the Dragons are, like, to only beat them by a point is not great. And then last week, I think, you know, that Warriors game was it was pretty dire as well. But um, yeah, they they're, they're playing Penrith next, so you know, that's going to be a very tough tough ask for them. Um, well, this is a weird. They play Penrith, then they play the Dogs and the Bulldogs, then they play Penrith again. So I don't know oh, what's going on, on. Hang on.
1: They play Penrith, then the Dogs, then the Bulldogs. That's what
0: you said. Oh, the Dragons. Sorry. The Dragons, then the Dogs. The Dragons then Penrith again. What? Yeah. What? The, I don't know what. Whoever did the draw this year is insane. South's have oh, already man, played two teams twice. I don't it's know. Yeah, te-
1: just terrible. Get it together. But the thing twice. is,
0: after that Penrith game, they've got a pretty soft run in that middle. Uh, they're the same. Like the Roosters and South's always get like, similar draws every year. We're like, the start of the season is blockbusters, middle of the year is pretty soft run end of the year blockbusters again. So they've got a few weeks to sort everything out after this Penrith game. They've got a pretty soft run and a couple of buys sprinkled in there too before sort of some really tough games to end the season. But yeah, uh, plenty of time to fix it, but you still, you should be mildly concerned at this point if you're a Roosters fan. I oh,
1: think. I'd be more than mildly concerned. My my,
0: my concerns would... Medium have, concerned?
1: No, hot concerns. Wow. Hot concerns, hot salsa concerns. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because I keep, just keep waiting for it to happen and, it, and, it, and it's not... You know who is making it happen? And it's not just happening over here, it's not just happening over there, it was happening everywhere. The North Queensland Cowboys. Mm. This was this was really good for them. Like, how low have we been on them for these last few weeks? Like when you, we were put we were putting lines through and we were saying season done, you know. But we we often,
0: you know, you can oversimplify this game, but sometimes the simplest solution is the best. And when you watch a team like them just Putting hits on and firing up and Cohenhurst is forcing errors and screaming to the to the skies. Yeah, sometimes you just got to have a bit of passion, and that can take you so far. Well,
1: mate, they 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 just haven't had that that rugged physicality in the middle of the field. I like I know we all, we all talk about their attack, how they're not been scoring points. I Actually, thought the biggest thing for them last year was how their forwards just played like a bunch of cavemen, just a bunch of bone chilling psychos, and they just haven't had that this year. Mm but they found it this week. And when you've got, I think Hess moving back to the middle has been really good for them. I think they tried him on the edge. I was excited about that, but it just didn't really work out. He very much is in the middle these days. I think that's really helped them, but I think what helped them the most is that this was Reuben Cotter's best game of the season. And, and he probably has struggled a little bit to replicate the form of last year where he made his Queensland debut and his test debut for, for Australia. And, I think in between the, the Raiders game on Friday and this game on the Sunday, I was kind of thinking, well, if I'm picking between Reuben Cotter and Corey Horsbrough for Queensland right now, I'm going Horsbrough every time. He's just had a much, much better season than Reuben Cotter has. But Cotter, to his credit, had, like, had really, really produced, and they needed that. With Jason Talmalolo out, they needed that. They needed someone to sort of step up and be that forward leader. And, and, and Cotter said, yeah, it's me. Follow me, boys. I'm the Townsville bully. Let's go do it, you know? So yeah, really, 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 really impressed with him. Um, there were a couple of tries that were, you know, like maybe not the most well-constructed, but like, who cares? Who cares? Like the the Chad Townsend try where Tao Lunghi makes that incredible catch down the sideline or the Jack Koshevsky try, which was a little bit how you're going or, or whatever. But they were able to score some of those tries because of effort, because of energy, mm. you know what I mean? And and if you bring that, a lot of other things, a lot of other things will come. So what
0: Griffin Neem was a Townsville Bully.
1: He was, yeah. Hmm. But he's All out right. right now, so someone's got to take up the mantle. He gave
0: the bully belt to Rip Cotter. The okay. boys
1: from the bush are back in town, bro.
0: They really are. Hmm. Um, I got two, So question. So I know you're not as big a pro wrestling guy as I am, but so you you are, you do know what the Royal Rumble is. Yes. So every year at the Royal Rumble, there's basically a spot now. that are like eight years in a row where Kofi Kingston, the wrestler, uh, avoids getting eliminated in like some very athletic way. Like he'll jump on a chair, he'll jump on the announcer's table, or he'll jump yeah. on the railing.
1: Yep, I have seen those, Yes.
0: Are we going to get Murray Taolungi's annual Magic Round moment every year?
1: <laughs> well, I tell you, between him and Selwyn Cobbo, a lot of magic in there. Cobbo's had back-to-back hat tricks on the Magic Round. Taulangi has had back-to-back remarkable try assists, almost on the same or well, in the same part of the field, definitely. So, you're crowning the king of Magic Round. It's, it's probably one of those two. Their body of work impressive from year to year.
0: Indeed, uh, and one other thing: uh, after a penalty, Jared Reihago basically offered. Jermaine Tenor Brown out to have a fight in the car park. Do you think the sport would be better if once per game, a forward was allowed to offer to fight another forward and they just got it on?
1: Yes. And if the other forward turns down the challenge, Bin. their team has deducted four
0: points. Oh, four competition points or four points on the scoreboard? Or both? I was going to
1: say on the scoreboard, but now, now I'm saying competition points. Yes. If you fight and you lose, then that's okay.
0: That's fine. We got that's to go. fine.
1: You just, you just, it's all good boys. Back to your corners. But if they offered a fight and you and you turn it down, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I must take the points. Yep. You could have we punched, have you way. could have punched your way to nobility, but you chose yep. not to.
0: Yep. And the nightcap. Uh, we thought this game would be entertaining, and it certainly was. In the end, uh, the Titans squeezing out a 26-24 win over the Parramatta Eels. Um, yeah, not really the way we thought this would go, although. We thought it would go the reverse. We thought the Eels would get out to a big lead and the Titans might make it interesting in the second half, but it was it was the opposite. It was it was the Titans just racing away to that 16-4 lead at halftime and then Parramatta making it very, very interesting right at the end.
1: Well, if you check the tape, we zagged. We both tipped the Titans in this game. We both liked them. Just, I feel like I'm getting, getting a bit of a handle on their particular breed of, of rugby league insanity. I you feel can't like,
0: harness the chaos, but you can contain it.
1: I feel like I... I, I I feel it like a, like a, like a wind, like a the sun of, breeze. of lightning. Like, and yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's just something that runs through my veins, but yeah, this was just more of, 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 of what we've, I guess come to expect from the Titans, just really, really good attacking footy. This is a team that can really score a lot of points and they can score them from a long way out as well. It's a team with some, some really dangerous attacking qualities. This is my first time, seeing the Titans in person since round one. Um, and a couple of things stood out to me. The way that that left edge moves together is just all really, really impressive. I know I talk about it all the time, but I'm going to keep doing it because I think it is one of the deadliest attacking edges in the competition. Alofiana um, Khan Pereira, he's quick on TV. He's quicker in person. Like he's got, he's got the true speed. He's greased fucking lightning that kid. Um, when he took that intercept, I, he, that was sort of um, up the other end of the field from us but you can see the reaction of all the players. The second his hands are, the, are on the ball, Kieran Foran's got the whip in the air. Like it's over. He knows, you know, and having guys like that is just such a weapon, you know, being able to score from anywhere on the field is, is, is just such a weapon. And I think with guys like um, Phil Sammy, for example, their good form has been going on for long enough that it's not just a flash in the pan. You no, know? he's think-
0: legitimately in the conversation for the best outside back in the comp this year.
1: I think well, I, if I was picking my Queensland team tomorrow, I think I'd have Phil Sammy on the wing. Yeah, you know, which is which is a big call. It's a big call, but I think he just he just keeps finding ways to do it. Man, just stays in the games, runs the ball heaps, has heaps of tackle breaks, you know. And I, for someone who had a hat trick scored on him, I actually thought he had a better game than Mike Casippo,
0: <laughs> which is which is crazy to think. But it's just yeah, that's just how it looked to me. And I'm um I'm mad at Brian Kelly though Why because is that? before the game, Mitchell Doyle and I said to you, if Kieran Foran scores a hat-trick, you have to get Kieran Foran tattooed on you. And you said yes. No, and no, no, no,
1: no. It wasn't before. Was it after game? he scored the first it try? W- it, w- it was after his second
0: try. It was not after his yes, second try. Yes, it was. It wasn't yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. And if Brian Kelly had just offloaded that ball, N. Campton would be doing this show live from the <laughs> Brisbane South Tattoo Parlor, getting KF for life on his backside. <laughs> but uh, no, Brian, you had to score yourself, didn't you? Well it's like Mad mate it.
1: it's like um torridors, like you know I am saying it's like matadors the the greatest matadors are the ones who come the closest to being gored by the bulls you know <laughs> they, they have the true gen they are the true and the your true horn,
0: your horn was a tattoo gun burly uh, wielded by a burly man in a forex hat
1: yep but uh i got out and of the way you avoided it you really I did. did that's why I'm, I'm the greatest matador in rugby league history <laughs> Let's just hit para really, really quickly. Feel like they again they played to the level of their opposition. They played their opposition's game and not their own game, and it really, really hurt them, you know. And this is something that has been going on long enough now that it's it's become a habit for them. And habits are very, very hard to break, particularly at this point of the season, you know. They're like i i have I have major concerns for them now. I still had them in my top eight this year. I don't think you did. You had them.
0: You had them quite ten.
1: low on your ladder. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But I don't know. They're just a team that looks to be really, really struggling to get it right, struggling to connect the the, the the disparate elements that they've got out there. And Mitch Moses banging his head. He's going to miss this weekend's game against Canberra. That's a massive out for them because without his kicking game to test the Canberra back three and to test Seb Chris, I think there's a chance they could struggle to to score points, you know, and all of a sudden the, the well, was, uh, they're, they're not part of that chat that, cha- that no. pack that's sort of clustered in from third they're behind the peloton line. well if they lose this if they lose this week they could be three wins out Dude, of their
0: their next two games are against the two teams that haven't lost since March so they're in trouble well, yeah there's a yeah so there's a there's a very big chance that like in two
1: weeks time we're sitting here saying can para make the finals that's you know wild. which which is a crazy thing to say when you look at their roster and you look at some of the players on there. But, yeah, that just seems to be what's happening at the minute. They're in a real – they're in a dark they, place.
0: They have, like, the fifth best for and against as well. Yeah, um, I know. It's crazy. A quick preview on Thursday night's game. I and mean, We don't have team lists yet. It's only Tuesday morning. But, uh, yep, the Melbourne Storm hosting the Brisbane Broncos in Amy Park, where they, of course, lost on Saturday night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Brisbane have an awful, awful record against yeah. them <laughs> I don't think they've beaten them since 2016.
0: Anywhere uh, in uh, Melbourne, yeah, I probably
1: should have. I, I I think
0: anywhere. Oh wow, okay. I'll I think anywhere.
1: Up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matthew, pull that one up. But yeah, they're a team that have really struggled against the storm in um, in recent years and have have struggled to a pretty terrible degree as well. Like Melbourne have really really put some scores on them in the last in the last couple of seasons. I, I remember it was last year kind of the 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 game that was the nail in 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 Brisbane's coffin in terms of making the finals to me were there was two of them there was the game against Parramatta where they conceded i think it was 60 points and then there was the game yeah, against Melbourne where they conceded something close to that as well you know so and they've had a bad record against Melbourne for for yeah for much of much of their history yeah haven't is... beaten them since 2016 it's 12 straight
0: in... losses and they've yep. got two wins in the past decade <laughs>
1: So in the last six games, they've conceded 60 points, 32 points, 40 points, 40 points, 46 points, and 40 points. That's a lot of points. That is a lot of points. That is a, a lot. lot of points. Um,
0: and of course, but, this Brisbane team right now is a lot better than any of those Brisbane yes. teams. Were.
1: So th- that's why I think they can do it. I think they can break the streak, especially if they... If they do what they did against Manly, where they come out really hard and they really hit the middle of the field and they use their speed and creativity to sort of strike down the edges, which is something they're really good at. I think that they can get this done. I think they have a higher ceiling than the Storm. I think it's a, they're a bit more high octane than the Storm. And yeah, I, 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 I think I think they can do it. I don't think it'll be easy because I think the Storm will bounce back after that poor showing against the Rabbitohs. But yeah, I, I like Brizzy in this one. Eat, sleep, break the streak.
0: Yeah, look, uh, I don't think the Storm are going to succumb to two hoodoos in the space of two weeks. So I'll be tipping Melbourne in this one. Bounce back game. No, they need it too, I think. Yeah, they do. Semi Randrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Randrandra. away.
1: Simi Randrandra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will. Yes. Simi Randrandra.
0: All right, some news before we get out of here. There are substantial rumblings, Nick, that Yosef Suwali could be out of here earlier than we thought, could be getting an early release to go to rugby next year.
1: I Yeah, so this was reported last night um, by, by by Danny Widler. but it, I, it, it doesn't ring true to me because why would the Roosters do this? You know, they're already a bit light on for outside backs. They're playing Jackson Paulo probably all season now, and they've got Corey Allen on the other wing, and... um they named Bill they like they had they've got Billy Smith coming back from injury and Paul Morowski sidelined as well. So like just from a roster standpoint, with all the injuries they've had to the outside backs, why would you weaken that again by by moving on one of one of your better ones? Um I think um people everyone's pretty low on Joseph Sualite at the minute. I don't think the Roosters are using him the right way. Um I haven't loved him at center. I feel like being at center doesn't play to his strengths, which his strength his strengths is his ability to carry the ball, right? And he's been he's been so good over the last twelve months when he's played wing for the Roosters or when he played fullback for Samoa. Just because, like, he's a big unit and he runs incredibly hard. So just give him the chances to do that a lot more often. So I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to maybe turn him into a bit more of a strike weapon than a, than a battering ram. But he's one of the best um, battering rams that in all of the outside backs in all of the NRL, even though used to just still a kid. So I would like to see them move him back to the wing. If he's not going to be on the wing, I'd like to see him play right center, not left center, because he does have that big right foot step. Um, so I think he could be more of a strike weapon if he's playing there. But yeah, I don't know why the Roosters would release him. They're meant to have him for another 18 months. And even if he's not playing his best, surely it's much better to have him than to not. And not have him.
0: Yeah, I love the yeah. drop into reserve great crowd. It's always funny.
1: Yeah, well, like I think there's a I think there's a lot of guys at the Roosters that aren't playing at their best at the minute, and I think people single out Suli because of his profile and and all that sort of thing. But there's much bigger things I think they need to get fixed than oh, than yeah. what their left center's doing. You know, try him at halfback. Why not? Why not? He <laughs> seems like an he's a nice guy. Let him. Let him. Let him. Let him get in there.
0: Um, and the chief executive of the Warriors' major sponsor has withdrawn an accusation against NRLs of cheating of the highest order. We're at the game, so we obviously didn't see this, but yeah, Jason Paris, the CEO of One uh, NZ, I think they're like the Telstra of New Zealand. No, dude, uh, yeah. that's,
1: that's that's Vodafone.
0: Oh well, they are. They are. They are tele. They are telecommunications companies. I yeah, know. I know,
1: but it, but it's like it's it's big time. It's not. It's not. You know, like. Oh wait, one NZ not-
0: is Vodafone, is what? You're yeah, saying? yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you were making a joke. No, like, no, no. Like, right. Okay. Sure. Oh yeah, they're the Vodafone Warriors, of course. Yeah, they're, they're the one NZ Warriors now. No, I don't like that. Anyway, No, I don't uh, either. What can you do? Well, tell you what Joel Par- Jason Paris doesn't like. Referees, hates them. So yeah, the the Warriors, um, the Warriors faithful were
1: up in arms after after this game for perceived um, perceived refereeing decisions. And they've actually been really pissed off about that all season. A lot of talks of unconscious bias. A lot of talks of, well, you know, we're always going to get the rough end of the stick because we're the Warriors and no one wants us to win. A lot of talk of the NRL doesn't want us to win. Like, they're really, really pissed off, you know. like They've won you know, two
0: games this year on the back of terrible refereeing decisions, by the way, which no one, no. No, no one talks about.
1: Mates, they weren't. They weren't terrible decisions. They were correct decisions. In oh, okay. with The
0: sorry. laws of the game. Yeah. Like against the dogs and the Sharks, they both won because of bad calls, and that no one cared. No one cared at all. That weren't bad but, calls. I agreed with him. Oh, so, oh, sorry. I apologise. Um, uh, Mister retra- Paris. Retracts Jun- that immediately. Nick Paris Junior over here. <laughs> go, fuck Jason <laughs> Paris. Or whatever. Who gives a shit? But yeah, he tweeted a follow up statement saying, "I do not think the NRL referees are... And then did the greatest sorry not sorry ever by saying, "However." I do believe there is an unconscious bias happening every week against the Warriors and it needs to be addressed. And he went on after that. Um that's just weird because it then divulged into this entire conversation about like the Warriors place in the National Rugby League and how the NRL didn't give them enough after Magic Round. Oh sorry, not Magic Round after COVID. And um yeah, I'm not sure I agree with that either. Like, I think that like it wasn't as though it was the NRL. It wasn't like the NRL made the Warriors stay in 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 Brisbane. It was because team, teams weren't allowed to travel to New Zealand. No one was allowed to come in. So even if the even if the NRL hadn't had a bubble in Queensland, teams couldn't have gone there to play the Warriors anyway. So that's what the NRL's yeah. fault.
1: No, but if the Warriors had dropped out of the competition and the and the and the league can't fulfil its its con, its uh, TV deal, then the money stops coming in. Sure. So, so it's like the Warriors making that sacrifice allowed the entire competition to, to keep running. But I'm not
0: sure it is. I'm not I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure it is a sacrifice because it was something that the New Zealand government put, put on their put No, on but the, the, so that... the Warriors, the Warriors could have just said, "No, we're staying home. We're not coming over.
1: We're
0: and not going to play. We're not
1: going to play in the competition."
0: Yeah. It, that's, that was that ever a serious option? Like you know, it, I it was... I
1: think so. There was a really good yarn from David Riccio on the Telegraph a few weeks ago that. I think in that first season, when they were just over here the whole time, they were a couple of weeks away from folding at one point. Like mm. things got really, really bad and they did have to give up a lot. Like a lot of those guys had to live away from home for about 18 months. And that was really, really hard for them. You know? I'm, not, so,
0: I'm not saying that the players individually didn't sacrifice a lot. What I'm saying is that I don't think the situation was the NRL's doing for the most what part. If, what,
1: if, what if the NRL started COVID?
0: Oh, I didn't, I didn't factor that in. What if, what no if, they,
1: go- what if they grew it in a lab?
0: Guy Sebastian started COVID, though. We know that. That's been proven. So I thought Tom
1: Hanks started COVID.
0: It was both of them. <laughs> no one will ever see it coming. What a the, the Hanks Sebastian Alliance. But yeah, it was weird because I don't remember anyone that actually has any sort of like cachet from an NRL standpoint ever saying anything like, oh, we should have a magic round in New Zealand or oh, we should make every team play their game against the Warriors in New Zealand to say thank you. That was just sort of like hive mind ideas that popped up on social media but like i i do agree that perhaps they could have done more to thank the warriors for their service but at the same time it's now been like a year and a half and also the last three magic round the warriors have had a home game at magic round they 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 are they they like having an extra home game at magic round because of the i mean for, for a variety of reasons so yeah, they, they, I think the conversation just really got out of hand on the back of what were a couple of sin bins in a in a game where I thought they were by by a distance the second best team. So yeah, I oh know.
1: they were. I, I thought there were some there were some they were they did cop some rough ones. Um, like for example, the oh, the young fella I can't remember his name. He was on debut, but he got he got sin bin for pretty much pushing someone in the face with a bit of force. Latrell Mitchell did the same thing in the late game and didn't get bin. You know what I mean? So it's easy to sort of see something like that, or it's easy to see. Um, I think it was Chance Nicole Cook's got, got um, copped one right on the beak. Didn't get a, didn't, didn't stay down and subsequently didn't get the penalty. You know what I mean? It's just, just stuff like that. And I think what happened was, is there was a lot of, there's a lot of frustrations among Warriors fans at the moment from those refereeing decisions, but also from playing uh, three games in 11 days,
0: you know? And I think that's the bigger issue.
1: Yeah. And I think what's happened is those sort of grievances, have then manifested a lot of other grievances that they have because they are one of those teams like Canberra, like the Titans, like the Cowboys who feel like the NRL doesn't, doesn't sort of care about them the way they care about some of the big Sydney clubs or the big Queensland teams. You know, there is a little bit of like, I think there's a little bit of resentment there that the team, that the Warriors are sort of thrown in as one of those teams that are like, oh yeah, they don't, they don't matter as much as the, as the big guys do. You know, so I think that's where I think that's where a lot of the the discontent has come from. That's sort of just unlocked a lot of that sort of thing, which is why the conversation evolved into, well, the NRL didn't do enough for them for keeping the competition alive during COVID. You know, so Mm. I don't know. We'll all work it out. It'll all be okay. One NZ will continue to dominate the telecommunications market. Things. That's the most important thing. Well, that really is. Yeah, you know, like I don't know about you, but the only thing I love more than rugby league is telecommunications.
0: Am I Nokia thirty three ten? Bring them back. Reloaded with, with snake. How have they not made a comeback? Everything else has made a comeback. How have, like shitty old Nokias that don't break even if you peg them into a wall? Not made th- a comeback.
1: I think I think they have for some people, but I think all the people that do it are so obnoxious about it and just sort of say, "Yeah, I just have a old phone for emergencies. I just live in the moment," you know. So like, yeah, that,
0: that that is obnoxious. Oh, I yeah, do don't a, like a, it. Oh, what? Do you, do you not watch TV either? Do you? No,
1: no, no. I I just you know you know what I watch instead of TV? Life books. <laughs> Books.
0: My favourite TV show is books. <laughs> um, but I just—you mentioned that really quickly. Yeah, I think Latrell Mitchell should have conceded a penalty for the Harry Grant incident. Um, so you, do you of- think? Do
1: you think Harry Grant should have been sent off for headbutting Latrell's
0: hand like that? Yes. It's, um, <laughs> should he have been jailed? Yes. Um. But yeah, like that was, that was a big talking point on Sunday morning as well. A lot of people calling Latrella protected species and things like that. I mean, we are like less than two years away from him missing a grand final with a suspension. So I don't really buy into that argument either, but Hey, what do I know? I'm just a humble man.
1: In fairness though, if they'd not suspended him for that Joe Manu shot, nobody could ever be suspended ever again. But he wore, look at his little vest. You keep going back to the vest. I haven't seen him in the vest for a while now, bro. It may, we can't, it we, we can't not be wear enough. it on the
0: field. And now he's a good boy who doesn't do anything wrong. So it's fine. Everything's going to be fine. Sure. All right. Um, before we get out of here, a quick shout out to the people on the top two tiers of our Patreon subscription service. If you would like to be, uh, a part of our Patreon, you get an extra show every single week. You get access to our Discord server, uh, merchandise discounts, uh, other stuff. I can't say Magic Round Meetup anymore because that has been and gone. And thank you to everyone who came. And thank you to the Newstead for hosting us. Lovely people. Um, and I thank you to... I, I didn't have the list up, so I'm just going to okay. pause and... Chris Abnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, where's Wayno? Alex Sergicomi, Butsi, Chewbackers Numpfall up against Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, and Anonymous Backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsbrough Scores for Jace Felix Fine with Jason, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brickenden, kicks outs out of the comp. Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Spidmore, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my name is Matt Bungard and I love Taylor Swift. My team's <laughs> bench is your team's marquee. My ding, ding, dong is hard and I am sad. Never trendy. Pat McManus, Ray Stone, Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shanta, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was, and Westlife's podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you everyone. Lower tears to everyone who just listens and to Miss Swift. Thank you as well.
1: <laughs> you
0: are always rooting for the anti-hero. I like Taylor Swift. I don't know where this came from. <laughs> anyway. All right, we'll be back with question time on Wednesday if you're a patron with the preview show later in the week if you are not wrapping up Thursday night's game as well. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from next.